Welcome again to Change Your Mind About You, where we are on a journey together to awaken to our true identity. I'm your host, Kevin Mack, and today's podcast, we're going to examine the contrast between appearance and reality. In the previous episode, we we referred to the world that we experience through our senses as a dream, a wish for a life separated from God, which is impossible. Yet our world does not seem to be a dream, but rather seems to be positively real. We can see and touch people, Houses, flowers, and trees, green fields, and desert sands. There's insects, birds, fish, and mammals of diverse kinds that we find in nature. We have domesticated wonderful pets such as dogs and cats. We hold them, we feed them, we show them love and pet them. To experience all of these things gives us such great joy. Yet how can it not be real. That's both a very thoughtful and important question for us to answer. So this episode is devoted to doing just that. Let's start by picking up where we left off at the end of the last episode, where we recall that when we hear the truth at first, it indeed seems to be stranger than fiction. To illustrate this point, let's look at some of the teachings of Jesus recorded in the New Testament. On one occasion, Jesus was teaching the Pharisees, who were an influential group of religious leaders at the time. During the course of his teaching, he told them how his sheep hear his voice, and they are the ones who follow him. Now he goes on and he continues to talk more about these sheep, these followers of his. In John chapter 10, we're going to start reading in verses 29 and 30. Jesus is speaking here. He says, my father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. Verse 30, I and the father are one. Now, in response to these statements, the religious leaders who heard them did not like the fact that Jesus referred to God as his Father, which is something he often did repeatedly during his ministry. From their perspective, by making such a claim, he was equating himself with God. So to do so was tantamount to blasphemy in their opinion. Notice how they responded to what he said. We're going to read verses 31 through 33 now of John chapter 10. Again, his Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? Verse 33, we are not stoning you for any good work, they replied, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Now I ask you, what's wrong with this picture? These people have witnessed Jesus heal the sick and teach the golden rule. 
He did these things in public, in plain sight. He was doing good, not harm. But it was his choice of words they didn't seem to like. So Jesus had to show them from their own scriptures that they were mistaken about what he was saying to them. Jesus answered them. This is verses 34 through 36 in John chapter 10. He answered them, Is it not written in your law? Your law, he said to them. I have said you are God's. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be set aside, why then do you accuse me of blasphemy because I said, I am God's son? In essence, what Jesus is saying to them, that according to the scriptures, he is no different from them or their forefathers to whom the scriptures came. They're all equals. A son is created in the image of his father. Like begets like. All life reproduces after its own kind. If they believe that God created them and all human beings in his image and likeness, as the scripture says in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, what is wrong with Jesus' use of the term and referring to himself as God's son? Are we not all God's children? That's the point Jesus is making here. Yet they accuse him of blasphemy. Why? Jesus was doing many good works. He pointed out that the scriptures supported what he said. Why did they so vehemently disagree with him to the point of wanting to attack and kill him? Well, my friends, there is clearly something wrong here. The problem that appears to be with the religious lead that they're the religious leaders are manifesting here is their fundamental paradigm of thought. In their view, the unseen, non-physical God is almighty, eternal, and unlimited in every way. He is holy, perfect, and sinless. While human beings, and Jesus was one of them, were perceived as physical, and thereby limited, imperfect in every way, subject to sin, sickness, and death. This is what they saw in their life experience. This is what they observed in the people around them. Thus, they believed in the evidence provided by their senses. In other words, their fundamental view of reality was determined by appearances. Ah, but if they judged by appearances, didn't they see the good works Jesus did? Yes, they did. They acknowledged his good works. Then why did they want to kill him instead of believing what they saw and heard? Because to believe in what Jesus was doing and teaching would have overridden their firmly held beliefs about the differences between God and human beings, and they could not tolerate that. To publicly admit they were wrong 
would have subjected them to unbearable embarrassment in their perception. So yes, they were primarily concerned with appearances. They needed to look good in the public's eye. However, they could not admit error and allow their minds to be changed. And because of that, the inconsistencies in their teachings become apparent. Jesus attempts to bring this to their attention near the end of his ministry when speaking both to the teachers and the crowds. He said of the teachers to the crowds in Matthew 23 and verses 5 through 7, everything they do is done for people to see. Again, here Jesus is making the point of the, of the emphasis upon appearances. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi by others. So their concern here is with maintaining their position of authority, status, and notoriety in their society. So they carry these fancy titles and wear these fancy garments to appear to be wise and righteous so that the people will honor them. It is the receiving of that honor which is most important to them. But having such a focus on appearances causes them to be blind to their own inconsistencies in their teaching. So Jesus sternly warns them about this. Let's go to verses 16 through 19 of Matthew 23. Christ is saying to them there, Woe to you, blind guides! You say, if anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing. But anyone who swears by the gold of the temple is bound by that oath. Verse 17. You blind fools, which is greater, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? You also say, if anyone swears by the altar, it means nothing. But anyone who swears by the gift on the altar is bound by that oath. You blind men, which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? Here Jesus is publicly pointing out some clear flaws in their logic. They appear to be more concerned about the gold and the gifts brought into their treasury than they are about what the temple and the altar signify. This would indicate that they were more concerned with their own interests than in honoring God. Such was the case in their interpretation of Scripture as well. Jesus also points this out to them. Down in verses 23 and 24 of Matthew 23, he goes to you, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, 
but you have neglected the more important matters of the law. Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. In this case, Jesus is pointing out that they have their priorities reversed. They meticulously set aside a tenth of all they receive, making things in the physical realm, the realm of appearances, more important than the deeper spiritual principles such as justice, mercy, and faithfulness. In fact, these principles were not only made less important, but were apparently neglected entirely. Jesus graphically portrays their confusion here with the statement, You strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. So what can we conclude from this discourse? Jesus was speaking about the teachers of the law in his time, yes. But these statements were made in public. Even though the message was directed toward the teachers, it was not intended for them alone, but was meant for all of us. And his message is simply this. We cannot make the concerns of the physical world, the world of appearances, more important than the world of substance, that is, God's creation. Doing so brings about confusion when applying logic and results in an inversion of our priorities. Jesus makes this point clear in the Sermon on the Mount where he is teaching his followers. In Matthew chapter 6, we'll start in verse 19. He said there, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. The treasures of the earth, the values of this world, are many. Among them are material wealth, money, fame, status, bodily strength and appearance, and being perceived as a winner instead of a loser. Yet all of these are temporary, subject to destruction, decay, and loss. The bottom line is, the world of appearances is an insecure and perishable world governed by rapid change. And for that very reason, the world as we see it cannot be God's creation. Notice what it says in A Course in Miracles. We're going to read from the text, chapter 11, section 7, paragraph 1, the first three verses. Quote, The world as you perceive it cannot have been created by the Father. For the world is not as you see it. God created only the eternal, and everything you see is perishable. Therefore, there must be another world 
that you do not see. End quote. That other world is the reality. The world that we see is based on appearances designed only to obscure that reality. That is why Jesus taught the people not to give priority to the perishable world of appearances. To do so will only confuse and disappoint you in the long run. So instead, he taught in verses 20-21 of Matthew chapter 6. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Thus, the focus of our lives is to be on the unseen and unchanging eternal reality that God created. For only by focusing on the real and unchangeable can we have peace. That is why we must develop the eyes of Christ, so to speak, to see the world as he sees it through the eyes of forgiveness. He continues his teaching now in Matthew 6 and verses 22 and 23. He says, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy. Now the Greek word translated healthy here implies generosity. Being generous toward the world at large. And that is generous in thought, which means forgiveness. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. That means if we look at the world through the eyes of Christ, through the eyes of forgiveness, our whole body will be enlightened. Verse 23. But if your eyes are unhealthy, the Greek word here implies being stingy. In other words, judging by appearances. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? My friends, we are called to be generous toward our brothers and sisters to look beyond appearances that so easily deceive. That is, and that means to forgive them, rather than continue to live according to those appearances which cause us not to see both our neighbor's reality and our own. Do not let appearances deceive you. Overlook them. Forgive them. Look past the obstruction so that you may begin to see the true reality. So with that said, we conclude yet another episode of Change Your Mind About You. Thank you for listening today. I'm your host, Kevin Mack, reminding you that 
The everyday physical world around us is governed by appearances. Unfortunately, we've learned to use those appearances to judge one another. Such judgments have a tendency to entrench our existing beliefs, which not only make it more difficult for us to change, but cause us to be blind to the inconsistencies in our thinking. The only solution here is a willingness to be open-minded by forgiving what appears to be with the assurance that the reality remains as God created it, whole, happy, completely innocent, and at perfect peace. So, until next time, take good care, and be well, my friends. <laughs>